Hello and welcome back. It's been quite a while since we've joined you on the Wilkesbury Scranton Penguins podcast. I'm Mike O'Brien here with Nick Hart. Happy almost start of the hockey season, but the summer is officially come and gone. And we're getting ready for training camp. We're getting ready for the preseason. We're getting ready for the start of the regular season. But since then, there's been the annual rookie tournament that precedes the Pittsburgh Penguins training camp. Nick Hart, you're up there. Nick, good to see you. How are you doing? my friend Mike O'Brien it is good to see you too in the rookie tournament up in Buffalo the prospects showcase as it was christened yeah I know you got to get that right (laughs) oh no prospects challenge so I did get it wrong (laughs) the prospects challenge second try was the charm it was it was great it was it was a lot of fun it seemed like the players enjoyed it and I think their enjoyment of the three game spree showed in the way they played on the ice because they walked away as champions no trophies no medals or anything like that but the most points out of the four teams at the end of three days. It was almost like a reunion up in Buffalo because you had the Buffalo Sabres squad now with Jason Bottle as the manager and Chris Taylor, the Rochester Americans head coach. Yep. You had the New Jersey Devils with Ray Shiro, John Hines, Elaine Nasrin. I'm sure they were around serving the scene. Yep. And also the Boston Bruins as head coached by Jay Leach. Yep. So it was like... It basically was a Penguins family reunion in a way. Yeah, there was, uh, I think, one particular time of the day, the the first night on on Friday when the Penguins played the Bruins before the game where Mike Sullivan, Jay Leach, Ray Shiro, and Jason Botterill were all within, like, five feet of each other. <laughs> that's that's pretty much how uh, the, the organization of this tournament worked out, coincidentally, all these connections intertwining one another. Well, hockey is definitely a small world, but let's talk about the – product on the ice and like you said the Pittsburgh Penguins their prospect class their prospect team came away with the quote-unquote victory during the four plus days of games and you know you look at the rosters on paper for New Jersey Boston who am I missing right now Buffalo 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 and Pittsburgh you look at those teams and on paper maybe the other three squads not Pittsburgh looked like they had more talent in terms of prospects and high draft picks, but in terms of a team that came to play and executed the system and the game they wanted to best, safe to say it was Pittsburgh. Yeah, that's why the Penguins' prospects walked away with the title. And you wouldn't be um, dumb, you wouldn't be a bad hockey fan if you looked at these rosters and just kind of overlooked the Penguins because they were the only one of the four teams to not have a single player drafted in the first round available on their roster. They had the most undrafted players on their roster of the four teams. And yet at the end of the tournament, the Penguins' prospects were the ones standing tall, a 2-0-1 record, the most points out of all the teams, even though they didn't have that quote-unquote high-end talent that a lot of other teams thought they boasted. The Penguins put together an excellent roster from top to bottom. They got contributions from up and down the lineup. Everybody came to play. Clark Donatelli spoke at length about the compete level of his players everybody brought their a game everybody was ready to go from the drop of the first puck from every single game and it's really a testament to this entire organization now once again i don't think we're going to be talking about 10 years from now oh remember that rookie tournament victory what a (laughs) glorious time but the fact of the matter is what they were able to do despite lacking those first round picks and having a lot of unsigned players they made every single rostered player count it's a testament to the coaches, to the management, to the scouts, all the work that they put in constantly year in and year out. And, of course, the players themselves, the guys that have to go out and play the game. Well, talking to the – at least listening to the reaction 
to reaction from the coaching staff. It sounded like, save for the second period in that first game against the Boston Bruins prospects in which the Bruins came out with the 3-2 overtime Mm -hmm. win. I mean, you take those nine-plus periods and save for that second one on Friday, it sounds like the Penguins played wonderfully throughout the rest of the tournament. They really did. They really did. I mean, every now and then, I mean, is the case for any team throughout a hockey game. You'll have some breakdowns here and there. They had some trouble in that second period against Boston where, you know, they couldn't really stop the bleeding and it ended up coming back to bite them. But every now and then when the other team would get their chances, the Penguins would shut it down and then get back to their work. You know, there was never too many times where the other team just absolutely got on a roll. The Penguins were the team generating uh, those chances time and time again. And, yeah, once again, can't can't speak highly enough about uh, what those young men were able to do in Buffalo. Let's talk about kind of this team not player by player, but some players that stood out. Oh, absolutely. Out. I'd and, be disappointed if we didn't. Well, you know, that's why we're here. That's why we're hopping on the podcast today to talk about the rookie tournament, to take some of your questions and maybe just re-examine the offseason that has been for the Penguins organization. But let's start out with the rookie tournament. And we'll go into specific players in your reaction, Nick, because you were up there. But who was your MVP Oof. of the tournament? Oh, boy, that's a tough one. Maybe, you know what, let's save that for – Okay, yeah, we can circle back to that. We'll circle back to that. Let's start off with a guy who made an impression right away with not a lot of ice time, and that is 18-year-old Jordy Bellreve playing a fourth-line role. He found the stat sheet, well, let's be honest, a ton over the course of the tournament. Every single game, seven points in three games for Jordy (laughs) Bellreve, led the team with four goals, had a hat trick in their second-game victory over the New Jersey Devils. And that kid really left an impression. We were joking around that uh, the NHL.com site was going to crash with fans trying to buy Jordy Bellreve jerseys, even though he is unsigned and undrafted. I was absolutely shocked when Jordy Bellreve wasn't one of the 217 names called at the NHL entry draft in Chicago this past summer. Absolutely stunned. I didn't think he'd go in the first two rounds, but I thought someone would take a flyer on him. But the fact of the matter was he's slightly undersized, not really short, but slightly undersized, and didn't play top six minutes regularly with the Lethbridge Hurricanes this past year. Still put up respectable points, but I guess not getting that premier ice time, uh, it was enough to push him outside the bubble for scouts around the league. But the Penguins quickly came calling, invited Jordy Bellreve to development camp, brought him to this tournament as well, and he made the most of his opportunity. He's a spark plug, constantly working, and once again, didn't get top flight minutes in this tournament. That was reserved for guys like... Daniel Sprong, Zach Aston Reese, um, Thomas DePauli. Jordy Bellreve was playing on the fourth line in every single game. And every time he stepped on the ice, you noticed him. He was putting the puck in the back of the net, setting up someone else for a goal, or just driving so hard to the front of the net, battling hard in the corners. There were a couple times where he went to the net and just got absolutely walloped. Just took the punishment for going to the dirty areas, but he popped right back up and kept going to those areas every single time. It was a lot of fun to watch Jordy Bellreve. There have been some singular names that have made an impression for themselves during this rookie tournament and have earned themselves contracts. Jean Sebastian D yes. stands out, Reed Gardner, and Jordy Bellreve still unsigned. But you figure if there's one player that may have earned himself a spot with the Pittsburgh Penguins down the line, it's probably going to be Bellreve. And a couple of these other high-end prospects that a lot of people were focusing in on and how they would perform, you mentioned already. Zach Aston Reese. Tom DePauli, Daniel Sprong, but let's start with Teddy Bluger, mm-hmm. who 
will definitely be battling for a spot up in Pittsburgh once training camp starts up this weekend. He was wearing the C for the Penguins prospect group, and though he maybe didn't find the stat sheet as much as he would have liked, scouts and management just raved about his performance. Teddy Bluger was phenomenal. He was absolutely phenomenal at this tournament. We'll start with the leadership aspect of things. Clark Donatelli said that it was his decision as a head coach at this tournament, and an easy one at that, to put the captaincy on Teddy Bluger just because of how hard he works, how intense he is, how serious he is, and how he can set an example for some of the guys that might be coming to this tournament for the first time. And Teddy Bluger not only performed admirably in that respect as a leader, but really kicked some butt out on the ice. Didn't score goals or anything like that, but his defensive game, he was an absolute beacon from the back end. Plays did not last very long for opponents when Teddy Bluger was on the ice. He was either knocking the puck away and then passing it to one of his speedier teammates on the wing. He was stepping into passing lanes, just completely ruining offensive chances for the opponent. And speaking of being speedy, he's upped his footwork a lot. Teddy Bluger said leaving uh, the Penguins' exit meetings last season that the one thing he really wanted to work on was his skating. Well, he told me he spent a lot of time doing um, drills to extend his stride, get a little more power out of his stride, and then some lateral agility as well. And it's showing right now. His stride has gotten a little bit smoother. You can see there's a little bit more jump in his step, and that might make a huge difference for Teddy Bluger in this upcoming season. Let's move on to Daniel Sprong, who was seemingly with the Pittsburgh Penguins for an eternity last year. Yes. He finished up in Charlottetown. He was a black ace for the Penguins through their cup run and then was right there for development camp. He finally got a break to to head back home and then definitely someone who the Penguins were focusing on and wanted to see how he did during this rookie tournament last weekend. And it seemed like he wasn't lacking for offensive chances and able to find the back of the net a couple times. Yeah, that's the other thing. Uh, Daniel Sprong in previous rookie tournaments, uh, he actually said he's, he's never been able to score really much of these tournaments for whatever reason. He said he's saving his goals for the main camp now with the <laughs> Pittsburgh Penguins and the rest of the season. But if there's one thing Daniel Sprong has been good at his entire career, it's scoring goals and creating scoring chances. And that shows his last year in junior. After he came off of that shoulder injury, he went back to Charlottetown and had more goals than he had games played in the regular season. He had 32 goals in 31 games, 59 points overall before being a beast in the postseason as well. So we know he can score, and everybody there saw the offensive talent that he had, even though a lot of the pucks weren't going in. I think in the title game against the Buffalo Sabres, he ended up having something close to like 15 shots on goal. Now the Penguins had a lot of power play time in that game, but he was just constantly generating scoring chances. So everyone knows what they have now in Daniel Sprong. So much offensive potential, such a high ceiling, but what Sprong has admitted he needs to work on, what Penguins management have their eyes on, is his two-way game, his defensive game moving forward. Daniel Sprong has embraced that challenge. Um, he's far from the first ever offensively gifted player to go through these growing pains. Uh, you can go through a laundry list. Uh, Penguins assistant coach Tim Army cited his time with the Anaheim Mighty Ducks, that Paul Curry and Timo Solani were on the same team at the same time, and had some trouble with the defensive side of the game. So much offense at their disposal, and it was a process for them. But they got there, and now both of those players are going into the Hockey Hall of Fame. Steve Eiserman is always an off-sided example as well, a guy who put up tons of points in junior, tons of points in the pro, but he was considered to be one of those guys who couldn't get over the hump because he couldn't play the defensive game. 
completely remodeled the way he played, and now he's considered, what, the second best Red Wing to Gordy Howe? Just about. Yeah. He's, he's at, least in, for, at least at forward. Yeah, he's, he's in that pantheon. Yeah. He is, and it's because he, too, had to go through that process. Now, I'm not saying Daniel Sprong, based on this rookie tournament, is going to be in the Hockey Hall of Fame, but that's what we can watch from Daniel Sprong moving forward this season. Another forward I want to talk about, and an undrafted free agent, Thomas DePauli, technically in his second year of professional hockey, mm-hmm. but also technically still a rookie because he only played 21 games yeah. last season. And just good to see him one back on the ice. He was absolutely snake bitten last year in terms of injuries. It seems like physically he's feeling right, has worked a lot on his diet, his flexibility this past off season, and he was flying out there on the ice. At least that was the impression that I got. That was the impression everybody got. Uh, whenever Thomas DePaul was first signed by the Penguins, going back to last summer, um, everyone talked about his speed. And we saw it a little bit here in Wilkes-Barre's Grants. Because he was constantly battling injuries, he never really got into a groove. And his season was ultimately cut to a, a, a hard end after going through so many injuries before that with that back surgery that he had. Well, now he's looking really fresh, really good. Not only have you, like you mentioned, has he changed his diet, but he's also gone out, he said he's working on flexibility just so that his body's always loose and can handle the grind of constantly playing hockey, constantly practicing, constantly taking hits, playing the style that he likes to play. And he looks even faster than he did last year. And it probably has a lot to do with being fresh and being healthy for the first time in a long time. It was hard to wipe the smile off of Thomas DePauli's face after every single game because after every game he just he was telling everybody how good he felt. And he was so so refreshing for him to get back to what seemed like 100%. It's tough to wipe the smile off his face anyway. I know. He's, he's, a, he's a pretty a, cheerful guy to begin with, guy. but he was he was really happy this past weekend. He was having a lot of fun. So he adjusted his diet. He says he doesn't meet, eat meat anymore, just fish. Yeah. There's a word for that. We were talking about this morning. Pesca. Episca, episcatarian. Is, are you combining? I don't uh, know. <laughs> I might I might have just said a religion. Uh, I don't no. know. Episcopalian. Episcopalian. Fish is Episcotarian. Yes. <laughs> we'll have to check with Brian Coe. I think he's got the uh, – we'll look that up. While I'll look that up next time you're talking about a player, which we'll talk about right now. Speaking of injured players mm-hmm. returning to the ice, Lucas Banks. Yes. How about his story? Twice misdiagnosed with Lyme disease last year. Then he goes to the Mayo Clinic in Minnesota. They find out it is POTS syndrome, a, a disease, autoimmune disease that affects blood pressure but manageable. It's going to be a tough road as an athlete to try and manage that, but looks like he is back on the ice, ready to go. He's been working this summer to get himself back in the game shape, and you know I don't think he was able to. You couldn't expect him to score what thirty nine seconds in. I think it was like nineteen seconds in last year. Like he did last year, but mainly just good to see him back out on the ice. And it looks like he's going to be a factor in the depth chart this year, either in Pittsburgh or Wilkes-Barre-Scranton. Certainly, because Lucas Bankson just has oodles and oodles of talent. We saw it in flashes last year in Wilkes-Barre-Scranton before that you know, whole thing with the Lyme disease, not Lyme disease, it's POTS disease kind of thing uh, shook out. We saw how good he could really be. And he was telling me before this, this tournament, he'd only skated maybe 10 times is what he said. He wasn't even sure if it got up to double digits and never in a scrimmage never in a game setting so that first game against Boston on Friday night was the first game he played since what December of last year to January of last yeah, year whenever like it was that, yeah. he finally bowed out for the season and 
with every passing game, every passing shift, he looked better and better and better. My money would be right now that he's spending most of the season with Wilkes-Barre Scranton, but you can still see the ceiling for Lucas Bankson and all that talent that he has. If he can stay healthy, oh boy, the Penguins have themselves <laughs> a gem. We talked about it a little bit last year and had to give a two thumbs up to the European scouts that found him last year. And yeah, if he can if he can find a way to stay healthy, look out. I Look mean, out for Lucas Banks. I know you don't like plus four. I know you don't like plus minus. But I do plus, not. But plus fourteen and plus and sixteen games is still pretty impressive, no matter how you look at it. And just good to see him back on the ice. Like you said, maybe the spots or lack thereof just stacked up against him right now. But especially I, given he's still like getting himself back yeah. into the routine of playing and things like that. Once the rust completes completely gets shaken off, um, I think a lot of spots will already be taken in Pittsburgh. But uh, that's. Great news for Wilkes-Barre. Great to <laughs> Penguins fans because I really, really like that young man as a as a person and a player. In terms of other players that appeared in the tournament that should be here in Wilkes-Barre, Scranton, you're looking at defensively guys like Ethan Proud, Jeff Taylor, Dylan Zink mm-hmm. at forward names we didn't mention. Riley Bourbonnet, who was signed to an yes. AHL contract. Uh, Reed Gardner was around as was Gage Quinney and Freddie Tiefels. But let's circle back around to the question I began with. MVP? MVP. It's down to two players for me. And I'm sort of wrestling with this, wrestling with this. Can I help break the tie? Yeah. How are you going to do that? I don't know. But Do I have to name my two players? Name your two players. All right. The two players that are neck and neck in MVP voting for me are Teddy Bluger and Jordy Belrieff. But I think Jordy Belrieff might have to get the tiebreaker just on virtue of points. I you think can't, you're right. You can't, you can't right. win games without scoring goals. And he scored four and added three helpers, more points than anyone else on the team. I think you just answered your own question there. Yeah. But to, I, I cannot you emphasize it. MVP? I can't emphasize enough how positively Teddy Bluger impacted the game with his defensive work. It, it was visibly impressive. What do you expect from him here in the second year? Kind of changing tracks. A a, bit. No, a, a lot of that. Um, a lot of that. Um, still being excellent defensively. We saw that last year with Wilkes-Barre. We saw him break out offensively a little bit more he than I think some, you and he I. He can make some plays. Oh, yeah. He's incredibly smart, excellent playmaker. And now with that added speed, that added little bit of a jump, um, I can't say for certain how many points that will translate to, but I think it will just make his defensive game that much more dominant because on the defensive side of the puck, you still have to be quick. You have to be able to change gears quickly, uh, transition, pivot to keep up with how fast the game is getting offensively. You don't have to be just fast to create points. You have to be fast to prevent points for your opponent. So I think he's going to become even more dominant defensively. Um, Offensively, I think he could get into double-digit goals if he spends the whole season in the American Hockey League. And how many assists did he have last year? 27? 24. 24? I I I I think it would be reasonable to expect... 40 points out of Teddy Bluger. It's funny because he had those 10 games after his senior season at Minnesota State in yep. which he didn't pick up a point. So fortunately or unfortunately, depending on how you look at it, offensively he didn't set the bar very high for himself. And then last year in just 54 games, don't forget, he didn't play you know, every single game for the Penguins last season. Seven goals, 24 assists, 31 points. I think that's... I don't want to say way more, but more than I think people were projecting or expecting for Teddy Bluger. And he showed some good 
playmaking ability. Yeah, I'll, I'll say it myself. I was not expecting that kind of offensive output from Teddy Bluger. I expected him to be a third, fourth-line center for the Penguins, steadily perform admirably on defense, be PK, really reliable. PK. Yeah, exactly. And he did that and more last year. And based on the work um, it seems that he's put in over the summer, there's no reason to think he won't take a step forward. But instead of saying, oh, he's going to – breakout offensively. I'm talking about 20 goals from Teddy Bluger, 80 points from Teddy Bluger. <laughs> I just think his defensive game is going to get even more dominant. So that would be great for the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins oh, and yes. perhaps the Pittsburgh Penguins. I mean, there are spots available up in Pittsburgh right now. Is he the is he the guy that wins that spot? Well, there's training camp and all that still to determine all that. Uh, so here's the time frame right now, the timetable. The Pittsburgh Penguins begin their training camp this Saturday, Wilkes-Barre Scranton still to announce their training camp schedule, but looks like it'll be the weekend after. And in case you don't know, four games in five days for the preseason schedule with Wilkes-Barre Scranton beginning Wednesday the 27th, then the 28th, day off. No, sorry, 27th, then a day off, then the 29th, 30th, and October 1st. So lots of opportunities to see the Penguins of the future. But we threw out... A call to action before we hopped on the podcast today to see, hey, it's been a long summer. You and I have been doing the two-man advantage. We've been previewing the opponents in the Atlantic and North Division and the West Coast teams or Western Conference teams we're going to face this year. But this is the first time we're like, hey, what do you want to know about? What can we answer? And there are a couple – well, diehards who also always seem to chime in. So oh, yes. let's go through the questions, and I'll, I'll start things off here, Do it. Nick. Do and it. Start it. This is a tough question to start off with just because it's not even the middle of September. But this is coming from Jason Iacona. Is it fair to assume that next year, this upcoming season, will be as good or better than last year from a win-loss perspective? Well, the bar was set very high. Yeah, <laughs> you had the best record. Yeah, you had the best record American in the American Hockey, Hockey League. So you're saying, are you going to be better than that, or at least the same? Yeah. Um, here's here's what I'll say. It's tough to assume anything in this game. Never assume anything with hockey, no matter how you look on paper, whether it be good or bad. Because, as we know, injuries shake things up at this level. Call ups to the National Hockey League shake things up. I think that's what was so impressive about last year's team. They lost an MVP-caliber player in Jake Gensel to call up, and they just kept rolling. The train kept rolling last year. Based on the talent that this team has, they can be in that pantheon. But what I don't want people to start doing is start crying and cursing the sky if the Penguins end up, I don't know, fourth in the Atlantic Division or third in the Atlantic Division instead of first overall in the American Hockey League. Because, let's face it, what this team is trying to build to do is, one, we always hear about it, develop players, and they've shown they're excellent at doing that. And two, win the Calder Cup so that you can help continue to develop those players because if you're playing important games in the playoffs, that's young players that are getting to play in important games and developing in that aspect. This team, as constructed right now, is built to go deep. I don't disagree, and a lot can still happen. Up yeah, exactly. So do, do not assume anything. So really, we did not answer that question no, at all. And, and to be honest – and to be fair, nor can we. Yeah. Do, does, if I had a crystal ball, I'd be more than happy to. Yeah. Does Jim Rutherford make that trade for a third line center that he's been uh, that everyone's been talking about for many months? Does someone 
who was expected to be on Wilkes-Barre Scranton's roster, fill a spot in Pittsburgh. So on and so, so much can go down between now and the start of the season. It's tough to say what this roster is going to exactly look like. Let's revisit this in a couple of weeks and maybe we'll have a better answer. I'll tell you this. I, I want to speak to something real quick about this whole third-line center situation. I've loved the way Jim Rutherford's handled this. Yeah, He's not going out and just getting a player to get a player. He said, we're waiting for the right player. We want the perfect fit, and that's so smart. You don't need that third-line center for day one of training camp or day 20 of the regular season. If you're trying to three-peat, you need him for game one of the playoffs. Right. So don't rush it. I well, love the way he's handled this. Well, and I think that the the Pittsburgh Penguins, I mean, call it spoiled, call it lucky. I don't think there are many teams in the NHL over the past couple of seasons that can boast the depth down the middle of Sidney Crosby, of Gunny Malkin, Nick Benino, and Matt Cullen. Yeah. So and now Matt Cullen's moved on to Minnesota, and Nick Bonino got a well-earned payday from the Nashville, Nashville Predators, yes. and now Penguins are just trying to figure out where that comes from. Maybe yeah. it's in-house. Maybe it's elsewhere, but I love the way Jim Rutherford and company have handled it so far. Exactly. So following up the question of how the Penguins will look this upcoming season, is there a sleeper in this Atlantic division for you? Okay. I, th- I think Lehigh Valley is going to be – They're going to be top of the top hops again. They'll be up they'll there. Be, they'll be up there again. Hershey can't count them out. But is there a sleeper that you're looking at in the division as of right now? Well, here's the thing. Because of the American Hockey League playoff format, as Bridgeport found out the hard way last year, you can be a great team and end up on the wrong side of the playoff bubble. Only the top four teams make it. And Wilkes-Barre Scranton will definitely be in that mix. Lehigh Valley, definitely in that mix. Providence will definitely be in that mix. Hershey is always in that conversation. Um I think the Springfield Thunderbirds will be improved this year, but based on how difficult the division is, I'm not sure how close they'll be to competing for one of those top four spots. The team I'm looking out for, the sleeper, is uh, the new kids on the block, the Charlotte Charlotte Checkers. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of teams I think have improved, I'm not sure if it's going to be able to get them over the hump, but you never know. Uh, I like the Hartford Wolfpack. Well, they're improved, but... Let's be honest, they could improve by 20 games and still miss the playoffs right. with how but bad I they do, were last I do year. like Cole Schneider. I do like Paul Carey being yeah. added to the mix. They're definitely um, better. They're, they're a better team. Is that enough to get them into a playoff spot? And They're going to need some improved play from their youngsters um, and their prospects, but we'll see. So you go with the Thunderbirds. I'm no, no, no. I'm picking the she- checkers. checkers. Checkers are my sleeper. Yes, they were a playoff team in the West last year, but they made it in on the last day. I think they could really give people a hard time because I think they look even better than they did last year. All right. There it is. Uh, I know you got a question that was that was sent just to you. I guess I, yeah. I don't matter. So, no. Uh, what you, do you suck, got? buddy. <laughs> I get this one all for me. Well, I guess I get to answer that. Yeah, that's true. Okay. okay. This one is from um, Louis Vittorio on the Twitter. Will Wilkes-Barre's Granton ever have enough team chemistry because of call-ups, injuries, etc., to go the distance and win the cup? Well, this is almost like the question of how many wins you're going to have this season. Yeah, it's, it's always similar. It's, and I apologize, Louis, this is an answer almost with a non-answer, but so much needs to go right mm-hmm. for a team to win a championship. Uh, I don't necessarily think chemistry is the key. I mean, it helps, but it's one of a number of factors. Who's down on the roster? Who's up in Pittsburgh? Uh, does Pittsburgh make another Stanley Cup run? Let's be honest. You need usually some help. From your NHL squad. Now, does look that at, mean look at Syracuse last year? Yeah, what, Tampa t- Bay surprisingly missed the playoffs. Syracuse won the East, 
the Detroit Red Wings missed the playoffs for the first time in how long? 25 years. And the Grand Rapids Griffins won the whole thing. So there you go. So whether the whether the Penguins, Pittsburgh, is out of the playoffs, you at least need some reinforcements. I mean, you and I were talking about this, I think, during the last playoffs. The last AHL team to win the Calder Cup, when their NHL team made it to the third round, was 2003. That was the Houston Arrows with the Minnesota Wild. So, again, you want to see – success for the Pittsburgh Penguins. They've won two Stanley Cups. We love to see a three-peat. Oh, yeah. Uh, but usually you need some help from the NHL squad, and the depth is so good on the Penguins this year, I think, from top to bottom, that maybe you don't. Who knows? But injuries, a- ATOs, guys coming out of college, you never know how they – Oh, yeah, that's In fact, true. I think about Jake Gensel and what he did two postseasons ago. Or Zach Aston Reese last year, what he was looking like he was going to be, and then he got hurt. Right. So at first it was like, oh, my goodness, here's this big get. And then it was like, okay, well, we're back to where we were before. So it goes back to your crystal ball. Louis. I don't know. Will the Penguins ever have enough luck with injuries and call-ups to, to win a championship this season or thereafter? Hope so. Yeah. <laughs> we, I think we're all hoping so out there in the, the fandom and here in the organization itself. So we shall see. And here's what I'll tack on to that is that uh, chemistry is a funny thing. Um, it's hard to be described. You know when you see it, but it's hard to explain how you get there and where it comes from and, for that matter, where it comes and goes. Um, I don't think any team ever has been like, oh, we didn't get to the promised land because of chemistry. Um, there have been plenty of teams that say, oh, we got the right chemistry at the right time. Everything clicked at the right time, and that's why we were able to win a championship at the end of the season. How many times can you look at a great team in the regular season or maybe even just one particular line that is lights out the whole season and suddenly it just dries up in the playoffs? Or maybe they're great for one or two rounds and then it dries up in round three. What, did the chemistry go away? That chemistry was there. Where did it go? It, the, the ebbs and flows of the games are so hard to describe, or for that matter, when Wilkesbury Scranton had all the call-ups under the sun two years ago, Shiri, Kunakel, Murray, Scott Wilson, Brian Rust, well, no one was talking about lack of chemistry whenever Carter Rowney, Jake Gensel, and Tom Kostopoulos got put together in the playoffs. <laughs> they ran rampant. It just came out of nowhere. So um, I don't think anyone has ever missed out on a championship because of lack of chemistry the fact of the matter is only one team gets to win it a year and they have to be a great team on paper and get a lot of things to go right for them it is hard so hard to win a championship let's go to our final question least from uh, the fans here who chimed in on twitter how long does daniel sprong stay in wilkesbury scranton is this year's jake gensel and i'll i'll take a crack at that and you can go ahead tack on as well i think that depends on daniel sprong and don't forget a guy like Zach Aston Reese. I mean, Jake Gensel, not only did he play so well here in Wilkes-Barre Scranton during the regular season, he followed up that great postseason run. But once he went into Pittsburgh, the first the first stint went okay after that two goal game. But then he went back up, and he proved that he belonged in the NHL. And he was putting up the points. He was playing well. And obviously, he had that amazing run with Pittsburgh as uh, they won the Stanley Cup. So. When does Daniel Sprong go up? I think it depends on, well, the spots available mm-hmm. in Pittsburgh, how he's playing down here in the, in the American Hockey League with Wilkes-Barre Scranton, assuming he does come down here to the AHL. And if he does get a shot, how does he do up in the NHL? So 
how long does he stay? Daniel or someone like Zach Asteris, they'll determine when they go and how long they stay. Yeah, and you can add probably Teddy Bluger to that list as well. As, uh, but the funny thing with Daniel Sprong is while he's going through this adjustment period, trying to learn how to play a 200-foot game, he made huge strides, from what I understand, from the Penguin Scouts and stuff, made huge strides in that department at the junior level, but the pro game's a whole other animal. So he kind of has to go through that process once again. It's hard to say where he'll end up on that learning curve. And because he's on that learning curve and because of his existing skill set, you're not going to call him up and put him on the fourth line, right. or at least not very often. It's not like a guy like Carter Rowney last year. Anybody could have got hurt in Pittsburgh or got traded off the team, and Carter Rowney, you knew, could fill in anywhere admirably. Daniel Sprong has probably got to be playing in the in the top six, in the top two lines, or unless this third-line center, that if he's on the team or not yet, um, it depends on how that guy is at his two-way game to see if he could even put Daniel Sprong in a third-line role. So um, I think we will see Daniel Sprong and Wilkes-Barre Scranton, me personally, for at minimum – until Christmas. Yeah, I think it's going to make it. No, I'm not going to count something where he gets called up for like a game or two right. and then gets sent back down. I'm talking about full-on departure. I think we'll have him at minimum until Christmas. Yeah, I think you're looking into 2018. Yeah. If, 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 again, if I were putting odds on it. So thank you for everyone who chimed in with some questions. I have a question for you, Nick. <gasps> and we did this last year during our podcasts. Mm-hmm. Because we've been doing the two-man advantage and having a great time doing that, I have not had a chance to ask you, but I'm going to put you on the spot. This is a curveball. It's not really a curveball. It's a pretty straightforward question, but I did not give you any preparation. Charlotte joins the division. Yee. Who are your four playoff teams? Oh, goodness. We just barely talked about this. My four playoff teams in the Atlantic Division. Yes. Okay. Wilkes-Barre Scranton, Lehigh Valley, Providence, Dot, dot, dot. Um, 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 I know, um. I know. Oh, boy. Charlotte. Okay. I'll answer as well. Okay, go ahead. That's only fair. And I, and I want fairness here. I want everyone to know at home that we're all about fairness here are, on the podcast. We're about fairness. We're about honesty. Uh, we're about balance. I don't know why balance is in there, but we are. Um <laughs> Equilibrium. I'm going to go with the same quartet as 2016-17. Oh, I so, thought you were going to say the same as me. No, I'm going Wilkes-Barre, Scranton, Providence, Hershey, and Lehigh Valley. So no change. No change. And I'm don't don't even come on Twitter after the podcast, people, and ask us to pick seeds. It was tough. <laughs> it was tough enough for me to pick a top four. Don't be like who's first, yeah, second, I mean, third, listen, fourth. Yeah, it's it's going to be. Especially it's going with to how be, tight it was last year. Oh, it's Jeez. going to be another tough, tight division. By the way, how was your summer? Uh, we didn't get we, you know, we didn't get a chance to just sit down and chat about things here during the summer. Did you did you binge watch? Did you go on any vacations? Did we did. You? We talked about that a little bit on the last uh, the free agency podcast. Yeah. A lot of time was spent in front of the TV, in front of the laptop, in front of the phone. That was like July. So we've yeah. had two whole months. Really, we've had the meat of the summer. Yeah, and since I've still then. just been doing the same thing, just watching it. <laughs> Watching a ton of television. <laughs> Watching a ton of television. I'm th- thrilled football's back. I yes. love me some football. I always forget how much I love football until, like, week one of the college season, and I'm like, oh, football's awesome. And then week <laughs> one of the NFL season comes around, and I'm useless from 
1 to midnight on week 1 of football Sunday. Most football Sundays I'm useless from 1 to midnight. We're only five Sunday games here during the first three months of the season. So you, you won't have too many conflicts with football and then Wilkes-Barre, Scranton, Penguins hockey. No, not for the first half of the season. That's yeah. good. That's good news. Yeah. I'd be like, we'll be playing Syracuse on October 15th. I'd be like, where's Nick? I had like this living n- night terror like two weeks ago when we were looking at the schedule and for, like I mixed up my months or something like that. Like I was looking at March and thought I was looking at February and thought we had like one of those five o'clock Sunday games at Hershey on Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> I almost, I almost drove my car over a bridge. I was like, "There's no way this is happening," but then I realized I was looking at the wrong. No, month. we are Sunday. We are off Sunday, February fourth, so we will be around. For, do you have a Super Bowl pick? Yeah, my Steelers. And no, I might. Uh, uh, if I can't pick the Steelers, I got to take my my heart out of it. I'll take um, the Pats from the AFC. Okay. Even though they lost Week One, I think they'll be okay. I think they have. I think they. I think they have the right guys to uh, <laughs> dig themselves out of that one and O hole. Oh and one, o and one hole. Yeah. Um, and then from the NFC, the NFC is weird. Yeah. Like anybody could come out of the NFC. Like I feel like the AFC, you have defined Pats, Steelers, Raiders is a popular pick, but beyond those three, am I missing anyone from the AFC? I mean. Can you make a case for the Chiefs? I guess you could with the way they looked week one, but there's a lot of season left. Yeah. I, d- I don't put them in the same tier as Oakland, New England, and Pittsburgh. And then the NFC, I feel like, is just a cluster. Yeah. Just a giant cluster. So I'll go with um, my boy, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. Green Bay Packers. Green Bay Packers. I guess I got to do a pick, too. Yeah, because about equilibrium, equality. Equality, balance. Fairness. Fairness. Left, right, up, down, mm-hmm. east, west. What about your south. Eagles? Are they going the distance this year? You know what? I Fly, like, uh, Eagles. <laughs> Fly. Um, as a Philadelphia fan, I, I've been known, uh, well, i almost required to keep my hopes high and my standards low. So I'm not going to project any sort of Super Bowl success for them. Uh, if they get above 500, that's an improvement. If they make it in the playoffs, well, that is uh, – I think exceeding expectations, but I think they do have a shot at the division because you, know, you I, do. I do. I mean, if the Dallas Cowboys slip a little bit, we'll see. They would have to slip a lot of it. Well, we'll see. In terms of the <laughs> NFC, in terms of the NFC, yeah, it's a cluster. It, you're right. You know what? I almost want to pick Pats and Falcons again. Again, just, be, just because it's. I think the enough. Falcons are going to regress. Not like. Under 500 regress, just not they. They won't be the same team, I don't think. I mean, does it pay me to say Pats Cowboys? Oh, wow, yeah. There would be a lot of people hate watching the Super Bowl. Oh, would that be the most hate watched Super Bowl ever? And just, just everyone that. rooting for the arena to cave in. <laughs> rooting for the first time. Are those the two most hated fan bases in football right, right now, at least? Although the Eagles are always up there, I have to be honest. Just in terms of fan bases. I mean, yeah, Steelers are up there too, but not. I feel like people hate the Patriots. No, I'd be, I'd, be, I'd, be, I'd be rooting for the first tie in Super Bowl history. Yeah, no winner, just a tie. What would they do with the Lombardi Trophy? Split it down the middle? <laughs> I guess uh, this goes to the last year's winner. Just, just the Pats get to hold on to it. It's you like, get like yeah, half the ring, yeah, so you have like, to get one guy on each team <laughs> together in the same room at no, the same time no, and like no bump rings, fists. No rings. You've tied. No rings. There's no winner. There's your oh, tie. That's lame. I know. Sorry. Well, listen. Let's um, hope that doesn't happen. Let's hope that doesn't happen. Well, we have rambled on long enough on, well, topics hockey-related, Penguins-related, and obviously many topics 
none of the above. So rarely do we get to talk about breaking news on the podcast. Usually it's before or after. This is during. This just came through. Mm-hmm. At least in our timing. Yeah. Time of recording. Time of recording this came through. The Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins with, I think, a quality signing. I mean, here we are, September, the middle of September. September 13th? September 13th. Probably this will be the 14th. 14th upon release. Upon release. 13th of recording, 14th of release. (laughs) Rarely do you find these types of players this late into the offseason. But, you know, you put out the release, so I'll let you break the news for people who haven't already heard. If you haven't heard, the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins have inked forward Christian Thomas to an American Hockey League contract for the upcoming 2017-18 season. Thomas is coming off of a year in which he had a career-best 24 goals and career-best 49 points, uh, tied for the Hershey Bears' leading goals, I believe, and ended up with 12 power play markers, which was tied for fifth-best in the league. Yeah, I mean, he shattered his previous previous career career highs. highs. And you wonder... How much of that maybe is a part of that high-flying offense and playing with guys mm-hmm. like Travis Boyd, Riley Barber, and, of course, Chris Bork. But here's why I'm I'm heartened a little bit. You go back to the season before. Not disheartened. You're no, heartened. I'm heartened. <laughs> um, you know, I don't think last season is a fluke by any stretch of the means. You go back to the season before, 2015-16, and 14 points in 18 games with the St. John's ice caps, and also 7 points in 16 games on what was a – not the greatest Springfield Falcons. A bad Springfield Falcons <laughs> team. But, they were bad. I mean, almost a point per game for a pretty good Ice Caps team. So I don't think last year was a flash in the pan. I, I think he slowly developed. We've talked about his how we've liked his game before when he was skating with the Hamilton Bulldogs and the St. John's Ice Caps, and it seems like it all came together for him last year. Yeah, I think a biggest reason why he was able to put up those career-high numbers was he never got the NHL call-up last year. Um every previous season he had played he had gotten NHL games or would be scratched up in the NHL so he was steady Eddie in Hershey uh, constantly there and had the opportunity to stay in a rhythm put up those kind of points and by signing an American Hockey League deal with the Penguins there's not going to be any sort of threat with that the expectation is that he'll be in Wilkes-Barre Scranton for the entirety of the season Um, maybe a raise an eyebrow because his production dipped a little bit or a big bit in the second half of the season. He came just firing out of the gate. Um, but all things considered, I really, really like this move for Wilkes-Barre Scranton. I really do. This is just that one extra weapon on offense that I thought they needed, and they got it. They got it big time. To be fair, the entire Hershey Bear squad did also take a yeah, dip in the second they tailed half. Off. They tailed off a, a bit, but... You know, whether we actually talked about this on the podcast or whether we were just ruminating about it kind of to ourselves off mic, we love the depth of the organization. We Mm -hmm. love the talent. But I think you and I both agreed it would be nice if they had that one more score or top six forward or weapon on the power play. And Christian Thomas, on paper, checks off a lot of those boxes. Yeah, exactly. Especially weapon on the power play. I mentioned earlier those... 12 power play goals he had. He finds a way to score on the power play, whether it's a well-placed shot or just digging around the front of the net, timing his crash at the perfect time. We saw him victimize the Penguins for a few of those 12 power play goals last year. (laughs) So he definitely provides a boost to the power play. And as we were talking about before, call-ups happen, things like that. And traditionally, uh, there have been guys that go up to Pittsburgh and perform incredibly well up in the NHL. 
is that going to be Daniel Sprong this year? Is that going to be Zach Aston Reese? Christian Thomas provides excellent offensive insurance um, in the event that guys go up and stay up. You're still going to get steady production from a guy like him as long as he stays healthy, stays motivated. He liked playing the Penguins, by the way, last year. Nine yes, points did. and 11 games leading all Hershey Bears in that season series versus Wilkes-Barre Scranton. And I just love the storyline. It's another player that has kind of crossed enemy lines. I mean, you had Steve <laughs> Alexi go from Hershey to Wilkes-Barre Scranton. You had Zach Sill go from Wilkes-Barre Scranton to Hershey. And now add another character to the storyline in Christian Thomas. Yeah, there have been a lot of high-profile players that have uh... – Straddled that border between the Wilkes-Barre, Scranton Penguins, and Hershey Bears rivalry. You mentioned a few. There was uh, Derek Engelin. There was, oh, yeah. of course, Dennis Bomby. They're going, Re- going Re- the way back machine. Yeah, re- recent induction into the Luzerne County Sports Hall of Fame, member of the Wilkes-Barre, Scranton Penguins Hall of Fame. People forget that he had uh, more than a cup of coffee with the Hershey Bears. Spent a lot of time there. So it should be, as it always is, a fun I to one rivalry between Wilkes-Barre, Scranton, and Hershey that just adds a little, little pixie dust on top. Yeah, or it, sprinkles or cherry of the proverbial Sunday. And once again, we talked about our top four playoff predictions for the Atlantic Division. Uh, it's going to be razor thin again. So those twelve regular season games against the Hershey Bears are going to be super valuable. Maybe Christian Thomas comes over with uh, with the game plans, the playbook. <laughs> Maybe. We'll send him down. Because that's how hockey works. You have a playbook. You have a playbook. We'll scout (laughs) it out. We'll get all the Hershey Bears secrets. But as we said before, I think we've rambled on enough about all things Penguins, hockey, and non-hockey related in terms of topics. But here's the plan. So like we said, the Pittsburgh Penguins begin their training camp this weekend. I'll be up in Pittsburgh early next week to check out Check out what's going on there. Maybe catch up with Chad Ruido and definitely check out that game at Penn State Tuesday night. And then make sure you tune in next week. The two-man advantage will be back as Nick and I will have your Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins training camp preview. Keep an eye out for that. Anything I missed, Nick? I do not believe so, sir. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this rookie tournament slash preseason pre-preseason edition of the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins podcast. (laughs) Hashtag made that up on the fly. For Nick Hart, Nick, say bye. See you later, folks. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Michael Bryan. Thank you for tuning in. We will see you next time.